You're listening to the Alpha Man Project with your host, Ted Rice. Would you like to be bigger, leaner, and stronger? Do you want to develop the confidence to go after what you want in life? Or how about becoming the man that women want to be with? It doesn't matter if you're a successful CEO or working 9 to 5. We're here once a week to empower you to reach your full potential so you can live life on your own terms. You deserve greatness. Now it's time to make it happen. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Find it all at alphamanprojects.com. Now back to the show. Brian, I am sitting here with a smile on my face and nodding my head in agreement because what you said is pure gold, my friend. And something that I tell people, because guys like us, you've given so much of your life to the fitness and studying nutrition and all those intricacies of program design and dieting down for competitions and all that stuff. And I've given so much of my life to that as well. And also I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I was competing and basically all I, yeah, thanks man. I don't train that much anymore because I got so injured. I still do some things to keep my skills and I'll go back and do private lessons eventually. So anyway, I've got my brown belt with three stripes, but I don't have my black. So That's pretty good, man. Yeah, it took a while, but the whole point is I got so sucked into that world in particular that neglected every other aspect of my life. And guys, you're probably doing that as well. And that's why I said what Brian mentioned was pure gold because we really have to be well-rounded unless you're going to be the number one guy and that's like what you're after. I'm not the number one jujitsu guy. Brian's not the number one like powerlifter bodybuilder guy. You're right, but we're extremely proficient at it. But even more important than that is that we're well-rounded. And it's so important because there's nobody more boring than someone who has just got the blinders on and they're all about fitness and nutrition and busting other people's balls if they're not doing functional exercise or powerlifting those guys are fucking boring you know and you're not going to do well with the ladies or in life if you're not an interesting guy and what you said brian was so cool is you're going to art museums and you're trying to expand your horizons maybe you like some of it maybe you end up liking some of it maybe you say hey you know what that wasn't for me but you're like i can just tell this is the first time i've talked to brian you're an interesting guy you know, you're interesting to talk to. And, and that's why I just love what you said there. Well, yeah, well, thanks for saying that. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, too much of any endeavor is really fucking boring. Pardon my language, like to an outsider. I mean, to other people who are in the same field. Yeah, you can talk shop, blah, 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 six, eight hours a day. But man, there is just more to life. People are so much more interesting when they have kind of a very passions. I mean, you know, some of the craziest bodybuilders I know, a lot of them have like things that are completely off the wall that they do in their own time. Like they do woodworking or another guy does amateur architecture. Like he loves to draw and sketch and stuff. And those are the guys that I kind of enjoy talking to. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're not like, well, what do you think about the squat? I can't even, you know, the claw cuff squat routine for increase. You know, it's like. Some of that's fine, but yeah, after a while, hey, real quick story. The first and last time I went on a date with a CrossFit girl, oh, fuck. she yeah. was so happy that she was like, oh, I love that you're into fitness. You know, I'm really into fitness because she's one of these girls. She probably did. She was probably overweight a little bit, did a lot of cardio, but now mm-hmm. she's do, lifting some weight and using some of the 
principles that we've talked about here that you've mentioned, progressive overload, doing focusing on those basic lifts, and now her body's completely changed. But all she would talk about is CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. It got to the point where to shut her up, well, actually, she didn't shut up, but I got her to give me a massage. We were back at her place. I was like, oh my God, I can't take any more of this. I was like, you know what? Hey, give me a massage. My neck is a little tight. So that was the only way that I could put up with any more. And no, we didn't hook up. But after that, I never called her again. How did that shut her up? Because I'm just thinking you'd be lying on your front. And so she's like on top of you. Like, was she like, (laughs) did you gag her simultaneously? Because she'd still be free to talk. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It actually (laughs) didn't shut her up, but it kind (laughs) of allowed me to shut her out. Oh, okay. You know, that's that's a skill in itself. So, yeah, I know that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. The socks and getting the outfits ready because people will be taking pictures and it might end up on the front page of the CrossFit headquarters website. I was like, all right, I got to do something here or I need to leave. Yeah, I would, (laughs) I would pretend I was having a stroke so that I'd call the ambulance or she'd call the ambulance. Then I would never have to see her again. Just be stuck with that ambulance bill, but that'd be well worth it. Just (laughs) I'm having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, that's bad. So don't be that person guys. Yeah, don't be one of those people who just kind of rambles on about, you know, it's cool to have passion, but it's even cooler to be well-rounded and to listen to people and have conversations about different things other than that one thing that just you're so into right now, which, you know what, I'm not judging because I was probably there when I was in jujitsu. Yeah. People be talking about stuff. I'd be like, well, let's talk about the Brazilian jujitsu and how it, you know, (laughs) probably guilty of that. Yeah, and you know, you can't be, I mean, when you're passionate about anything, it's going to dominate your thoughts, especially at first, you know, when you're first getting into it and that fire is really burning hot, but you always have to try to maintain a little bit of balance. And a great way to do that, I find, is I still have all my old friends that I grew up with, like none of us live in the same cities or even the same country anymore, but, and these dudes are all, none of them are into like working out and shit. Like one guy makes movies and a Another guy's a writer and like, so when I hang out with them or even just trade emails, it's not all sets and reps or martial arts or protein and carbs. It's completely different. And it's all the stuff that I used to be more passionate about when I was going to school and stuff. So I think it's important to kind of keep a variety of people in your life, if at all possible, unless you naturally attract assholes, then what can I say? But, you know, if you can have kind of some variety of influences, it, it certainly helps. Yeah. And if you're attracting assholes in your life, you really need to do a little evaluation on yeah, yeah. that energy you're putting out to the world because you got yeah. that asshole energy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting it back. Well, Brian, let's take it back to a little bit more practical advice because that was a fun and very important topic being well-rounded. But let's talk about Man, you are in such good shape. You're one of the people that I personally look up to in the fitness industry, not just because you're writing, but because you walk the walk. You don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. You're in phenomenal shape. You're 41. For guys who maybe use that excuse of, oh man, it's age and What other things? I mean, we've talked a lot about training and where guys should start and all that other stuff. But what can you tell us about nutrition, about supplementation, about anything else that you're using to get into tip top shape? Well, that's a great question. I mean, like I find that age is a blessing and it's obviously it's a curse. I mean, it's a curse because you've got to be more careful. You can injure yourself a lot easier. You don't recover as fast, blah, blah, blah. 
but it's also a blessing because you know your body that much more. Like I've come to learn what foods kind of react well with my body, what training protocols work. And it's something that no one can teach you. You just have to get good advice that gets you, points you in the right direction. And then you kind of figure out the exact road on your own. Now, so for me, I just have to be, with apologies to the fasting guys, like I need to eat a little bit more frequently, not because the stoking my metabolism or any of that shit that I used to believe, but it's more that if I allow myself to get super hungry, like, especially if I get to that point where you're so freaking hungry that you're no longer hungry anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like that 24 hour fast type shit. Like when I do start to eat, I grossly overeat. Even if I'm like extremely careful and I'll find a way to overeat. And it's not entirely because I'm mentally weak. It's part of it, I think, is just you're dealing with very powerful things inside your body that you've been passed down you know, for a millennium that you know, you've basically were starving. So now your body wants to replenish and it's just really powerful trigger. I don't need that kind of shit to get lean. I do much better if I just eat small meals throughout the day, but not tons of meals, maybe three meals and a snack or two, always with protein, always did better with higher fats. But now I'm finding that even a lower fat diet, actually I do better on. Hmm. I just had blood work done and it's the best it's ever been. And that's with a very low fat diet. But just being very that's cognizant. That's heresy right now to say I, that, Brian. Well, not like stupid. Well, I'm yeah, kidding, I, man. Totally no, kidding. No, no. And I agree. I agree. Like it's something I would have never would have believed. But I was going through some old books of mine from way back in the day, like the old Lee Labrada Get Lean Kit. Okay. That's like from 95. I just yeah, happened, man. Happened, yeah, man. I just happened to have it. And I'm looking through it and it was like freaking 20 grams of fat a day. And at first I'm like, oh, this will never work. And then I'm like, it's Lee Labrada. I mean, the shit works. So right. I kind of use those principles. And yeah, I mean, it seemed to work for me. Not ultra low fat, but just lower fats. And at the end of the day, it's calories in, calories out. I mean, that's the freaking thing. I mean, that is the top of the pyramid. And then, but just still using good food choices, like lean proteins, lots of vegetables, lots of fiber. Fiber's huge. Obviously, lots of water. And just being really mindful whenever you eat. And no gimmicks, no bullshit. Like, whenever something seems gimmicky, just avoid it. Because (laughs) it typically is. So, no radical diets, no ultra-low carb, no ultra-high carb, no, like, Three to five meals a day, high protein, lots of vegetables, lots of water, as many carbs as I can handle while still losing fat. That's kind of my thing. What do you do to gauge the progress? Other, I know you said you use blood work. Do you measure your waistline? Do you just look yeah. in the mirror? Yeah, like blood work I just do once a year. To measure my progress, yeah, I measure my waist. Obviously, I try to avoid the scale. I hide it from my wife. <laughs> She's a weird with the scale. But, uh, you know, I still weigh myself. Things should be trending downward. So I just not one of these people who weighs himself every day. But again, weekly, I measure my waist and I'll take pictures. And the closer I get to my end date, I'll, I'll take them a little bit more frequently, you know, upwards to of once a week and just take an objective view. And if things aren't happening, at least every two weeks, you should get a little bit leaner, noticeably leaner. Then you have to make an adjustment. It's all about it's like you're flying a plane. Like if all of a sudden you're a little bit off course, you know, you wouldn't just say, you know, oh, fuck it, nosedive. You know, you would just, you know, you tweak where you're going a little bit. Now, let me ask you a question about that. Do you document all your food? Do you have a food journal? How do you pay attention to what you're doing so you know what to change? I love like my fitness pal. I think that's awesome. Cool. I'm an old dog though. (laughs) I don't use it myself. 
I recommend everybody should use it, and I probably will eventually once I get out of the Stone Age, but <laughs> you know, right now I'm just old school, man. I keep my shit on a Word document on my computer, and I look at it every day, and that's my diet for the day. And I make substitutions. If I'm out, I make substitutions as best I can. I mean, I'm not competing in Mr. Olympia anytime soon. I can afford to be 10% off here and there. 10% the off your caloric intake. Yeah, like it's no big deal. No, shit doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I don't weigh my food. Like maybe I'll weigh it at when I'm first starting dieting just to get a general idea of what, oh, that's what eight ounces of chicken looks like. But once I see it once, I kind of can figure it out. I oh, yeah, to, that's a good point. You know, sure, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll weigh something and I'll be surprised. Like, oh, my God, I've been eating that much. But for the most part, no, I just kind of eyeball stuff and just gradually eat less be just a very kind of slow, methodical approach. Just nothing stupid. Nothing that would sell books. <laughs> <laughs> nothing that would sell books. <laughs> I hear you, man. And you said so many important things. The first thing you mentioned that stuck out to me and came to my mind or really stuck out in my mind was that you got to know yourself. You got to know what works for you. And that only comes from experimentation over time. Yeah. And totally. then you said that you also get your blood work done. So you're not living a fantasy. You are eating a certain way. You're taking pictures of yourself and you're measuring your waist, but you're also doing your blood work so you can make sure that even if you're looking better, that you're actually healthy on the inside. Yeah. And I mean, I don't take my blood work every week or anything and to measure stuff just once a year, just my the diagnostics that every guy over 35 should get lipids, uh, triglycerides, like the whole basic metabolic panel. Do you um, get your hormonal levels tested? Yeah, and I'm frighteningly average, unfortunately. I think my test, the last time my testosterone was 594, which was just painfully average, but yeah, you know, good enough to lead in the pencil. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And something that someone I had on the show was talking about is that the numbers may not be as important as what you look like and how you function. So if you're still getting erections and getting turned on and you're interested in sex, and if you look like Brian, Brian is freaking jacked. I mean, he sounds like a very cool guy, which he is. But if you don't know Brian, if you haven't seen pictures, he's jacked and he is ripped. He's shredded wheat, like I said before. So, uh, you know, he's being modest here and that's cool. I appreciate that because we don't want dickish dudes on here. But yeah, so maybe you don't get so bogged down in the numbers, although you should know them. But it's more about that function. If you got lead in your pencil, like you said, Brian, and you're looking good and feeling great, do the numbers really matter that much? Yeah, that's the old physician's line, like, you know, don't treat numbers, you know, treat symptoms, or I'm grossly paraphrasing that, but just knowing your own body, I mean, I don't know, I think it's important for guys, especially once you get over 30, to start getting regular blood work, if for nothing else, than to establish a baseline, like this is where I am at this age of my life, and then when you reassess in a few years, you can see if it's trending in the right direction, like it's obviously, as you get older, shit's going to trend down, but... You know, if you have a testosterone level of 800 and you feel great, and then in a few years you're not feeling so great and you get tested and you're, you know, 119, then you've got something that has to be addressed, you know, starting with lifestyle, probably. Yeah, there you go. And notice he said not with supplement. Brian didn't say, yeah, you got to go to supplements first thing. It's got to yeah. be lifestyle, sleep, nutrition, making sure you're doing the right amount of training and not overdoing it. Yeah. Yeah so important. And Brian, our time's coming up here, but I'd love to hear about your three practical exercises for guys that I asked you for. 
Oh man, three practical exercises. Oh boy. Well, I don't know, man. Like, I absolutely love squatting. I mean, I'm not a fantastically strong squatter by any means, but just whenever I grow a set of a slightly bigger set of balls and I commit myself to squatting frequently, like way more frequently than the magazines tell you you can three, four times a week. Not this, not heavy every time, mind you, but whenever I squat... And when you say not heavy, can you... How many reps are we talking? Right now, I'm squatting every workout. And so some days, I'll just do easy sets of five. Another day, I work up to like an eight rep max. And then I'll have a really easy day where I just maybe won't even back squat. I might front squat or, or do split squats. And then I have a fourth day where I work up in doubles to a two rep max. So that's a heavy day. But when I do that consistently... Like for the first week, it's hell. I can't even freaking walk. <laughs> but after that, my joints actually feel better. My squat looks a hell of a lot better and I get stronger. And I throw that program into the mix probably at least once a year. And I never fails to get a little bump in strength and size. But nothing works forever. You know, you get bored and it's time to do something else. But whenever I commit to squatting, I get great results. Excellent. Think, so yeah. squat three to four times a week. Do it for maybe only three to four weeks at a time, yeah. but you notice remarkable gains in size and strength, and you have to vary your rep range. So yeah. you said easy sets of five, work up to an eight rep max. Then you said work up to a two rep max. You have a really heavy day where you work up to, like I don't like one rep maxing in squats, but- uh, yeah, like, I hear you. Like just work up a two rep max, but you could probably do three if someone put a gun to your head. But just work up to a hard doubles, as they say. And then finally have a fourth, like kind of a recovery day where you just basically do a few easy sets or do lighter front squatting. I prefer split squatting just because I'm a little tight through the hips. So I'll do that on the fourth day. Split squatting, you mean a lot of people would say lunges, right? Stationary lunges? Yes, yeah, a, a static lunge. Yeah. Static lunge. So yeah. there you go. That's what a split squat is in case you're not in the fitness industry like Brian and I. Brian, I'm curious, man. What do you think about those high rep body weight squat routines that like CrossFitters do and some other people do. Have you experimented with that? What do you I think? Mean, well, anything for high reps and body weight, you know, you're not going to build per se. It's more of a conditioning modality. But having said that, the squat pattern is so dear to the human body. I think doing high rep drills of that squat pattern is a good idea just to keep reinforcing that technique. Like the best squatters in the world squat every day. They wow. just... Yeah, but not necessarily with a barbell on their back. Like maybe it's just, you know, with a broomstick at the beginning of a different workout, but they're always reinforcing that pattern. But having said that, if you're doing these marathon bodyweight squat things, you have to be sure that every rep is clean. I think sometimes you get these 50 rep sets or sets for time. The first few reps are great. And then the rest of them are kind of shitty reps or they're half reps or whatever. And you're just reinforcing bad technique then. So if it's worth doing, you have to do it well. Great point. And I concur 100%. Yeah, some of the technique you see and people are just fried, but they're still pushing themselves. And it's like, guys, not worth it, in my opinion. No, not worth it. I mean, because, yeah, if the load ever gets heavy, you know, there's some weight to move. You need good technique to do it properly and not get injured. Yeah, like I can squat 135 with really shitty technique and walk just fine the next day, you know, but if I squat 365 like that, I'll kill myself. Right. I like how you said you're not a big squatter, but <laughs> well, no, I mean, I you probably squat a lot more than me. I'm sure you definitely squat a lot more than me. I don't really squat that much these days because of some knee injury on my left side. But 
I bet you squat a lot more than a lot of the guys who are listening to the show. Well, everything's relative, man. Like Saturdays, I work out with a very strong guy, a trainer named Dan Trank. And, oh, uh, yeah. 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 I show up on his recovery day so I can... <laughs> well, that's the day I go heavy. It's on his recovery day. So just put everything in perspective. And just use perspective. What are you doing with those two rep maxes? What are you working up to? I think last time, I'm still kind of getting back into the swing of things. I think I topped out at, it was around 315 or 325, like nothing. And I think he topped out at 345. But again, he's much stronger than I am. So yeah, Dan Trink is an absolute animal and he works at peak performance, peak performance with Joe Dowdell, right? Awesome. Yeah. A gym yeah great gym. Just good guys. Very legit. Very legit guys. Awesome. Dan's, yeah. I get Dan does my programming. Wow. Okay. There you yeah. go. Yeah. He's a good dude. Cool. And Brian, the second one you said, and which we've already talked about is do a little bit of mobility work throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to do 30 minutes three times a week, but like even just a couple minutes, like two, three minutes, a couple times a day. Like for me, I sit on, on my ass so much with my job. You know, every so often I remind myself just to get up and stretch my pecs, do some wall slides. I have a band by my desk. I might do, you know, 10 reps of pull aparts. Sure. You know, it takes maybe a minute. And then I sit back down and continue what I'm doing. You know, I got turned on to that by a colleague of mine. Like whenever he'd get up to use a bathroom or grab a coffee, he would do a few sets of this and found it really helped his shoulders and his mobility. And it's a good habit to get into. Yeah. You know what? That's something I used to do and I stopped doing. And after talking to you, I'm going to start doing it. And Brian, you make such a great point because I think a lot of people have this in their mind. And this used to be in my mind till I got older and kind of got outside this box. But a lot of people think, oh, well, I got to go to the gym for an hour or I need to, oh, I don't have 30 minutes to do my mobility work. Like Brian said, it's not about that. It's two minute drills five times a day is way better than 30 minutes, three times a week. So just get it in, start being more active. And especially with the mobility drills, I'll be doing some videos on that. I've got ones that I really like and some isometric drills that I really like. And I'm glad you didn't call it corrective exercise, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) by the way, but it's so important. It can help your joints feel better. And also you're burning calories. You're not getting a crazy workout, but you are being active. You're restoring some of that mobility that you can lose if you've got a desk job like Brian does, because he's a badass workout dude, but he writes for a living. So he sits on his butt in front of the computer. And I'm doing a lot more of that now with the podcast and some of the other things. So man, that is just golden advice there. And let's get to the last one, something I really, really like. So what's your last practical advice for the listeners? Oh, my last practical advice. Oh, so yeah, near and dear to your heart is especially as you get older. And if you weren't lucky enough to take martial arts, definitely get on that. Because I think the athleticism and I hate to use the word functional, but I'll actually use it. The functional athleticism you get from learning a skill like that, even just learning the basics is just huge. I mean, that's probably made the biggest impact on my training, on my weight training was was getting more into martial arts. First of all, let's talk about what was it that affected your training, your strength training, how it helped you, what exactly helped you, and also what type of martial art were you studying or what type of martial arts are you studying? Well, five years ago, I started taking MMA just because when, you know, UFC was getting popular and I thought, oh man, that looks cool. I can do that instead of doing cardio. Yeah. 
So I did that for a couple of years and I just loved it. But something you'll appreciate is the jujitsu, my neck just did not love me for it. (laughs) You know, I mean, I was obviously I was always very bad at it because I was just learning. So I'd be very, very tense, which is probably the worst thing you can be is be very, very tense when someone's wrapped around your neck. So I would get injured all the time, but I just freaking loved it. Then when I moved to New York, they have a really good Krav Maga school here. And that has been just huge for me. I mean, there's not as much grappling, so it's more just striking and a little bit of groundwork, but more just striking and self-defense. And it's just been awesome for my training because it's taught me to be a lot more explosive and just more efficient with my movement. And of course, it's a great workout too. Like I don't do any cardio. Like Even when I diet this year, I didn't do an ounce of cardio, just this training. And I'm such a believer now. Wow. That's an awesome story. I think it's important. Like weight training, it's such a, or just the gym period. It's by design. It's very kind of strict movement. If you're doing it properly, <laughs> like right. it's, a, it's very precise <laughs> controlled movement. It's a skill because it's a skill. It's also kind of limiting. So you have to take the other parts of your body out for a walk, so to speak. And I found by doing this, just, you know, learning to kick again and to punch well and to, and to take a punch and all that has just been huge for me. And it just made my weight training much more focused and just the joints feel better. And I'm leaner too, which is always nice. Yeah. Awesome stuff. And I hope you guys are listening because that martial arts is a thing that keeps coming up and people are always talking about how it's changed either their athleticism, changed their body. Brian has gotten lean without doing any cardio, zero cardio, what most people would call cardio anyway. And he just does martial arts and he strength trains. No, that's awesome. And one thing I like about the Krav Maga, because I personally haven't tried that, but I really want to get into it because like I said before, I used to compete in jujitsu a lot, got pretty beat up over it. And one of the reasons why I'm kind of getting away from that, although I probably will go back is because I'm not competing and a lot of what they teach you in jujitsu is how to beat other high level grapplers. Yeah. It becomes yeah. less important. And you know, I was getting so jacked up. It's like, God, if I had to defend myself, I'd have to stop the guy for a second while I warmed up my knees, warmed up my <laughs> neck. How is that going to help me? And I mean, I should qualify too. Like I am the worst person in the class. Maybe there's like, if there's a class of 20 people, I'm probably number 18 in terms of skill set. You know, so it's been very humbling for me too, but there's so much potential for me to get better and to grow. So that's kind of exciting because I don't want to say I'm at my genetic limit with bodybuilding. I'm certainly not. I I can certainly improve there. But the amount of improvement I can have in this discipline, in the fighting discipline, is so much greater that it's kind of exciting to me. But yeah, like to your point, it's the Krav Maga is extremely practical. Like, you know, it's not all eye gouges and kicks to the balls, but that's uh, (laughs) it's a big part of it. And I mean, you know, that's stuff that God forbid you ever have to use it. I mean, it's nice knowing you can. Absolutely. You got to be able to take care of yourself. And I'm sure I know New York has been cleaned up a lot, uh, <laughs> but but you never know. There's still some sketchy characters and I'm here in Miami Beach. There's some sketchy people down here as well. Yeah, there are sketchy people everywhere. I'm finding. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. And Brian, let's end up on the best advice you've ever received from a mentor. Then we'll wrap it up to where guys can find more about you. Best advice, yeah. I have a few that I've kind of heard when I was younger and I've kind of sunk in lately. And it's like, one is like, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. 
like a friend of mine, he's a, a very good therapist and he frequently, when he counsels people and he hears a lot of these you know, guys around my age and they feel so much pressure to live up to maybe something their parents told them to do or what society or the media or whatever fit these roles. And he spends a good portion of his time just drilling into them that you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Like you don't have to have that kind of confliction inside you. I mean, that doesn't mean you should freaking quit your job and move to Malibu and see if you can work on the Playboy Mansion, like coaching volleyball or something. But it's just like you have to. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea, Brian. You know, I've applied for that job. They're getting back to me. But um, <laughs> you know, whatever you do with your life professionally or in your spare time or whatever, it should still make you happy. It should still give you satisfaction. Otherwise, fuck, don't do it. Like do something else, man. Like, I mean, just in my world, everyone wants to be a fitness writer. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. Good writing is hard, man. It's hard work to write at least for me, and I consider myself pretty good at it. Like it's work if, you know, and I hear guys saying, oh, I hate writing, but I know I have to do it. I'm like, you don't have to, you know, maybe you got great energy to do a podcast. Maybe you're a great trainer. Maybe you're, I don't know, you're something else. Like you don't have to do something just because everyone else is doing it. Like, you know, follow your own beat, you know, do your own shit. And that's how I approach training too. Like I like being muscular and kind of lean and that's what I like. I'm not going to run an amazing 40 yard dash time. So I'm not going to fucking train for that. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't have to do, I do what I want. This is the fundamental thing. And when I find it, when I really embrace that, what that actually meant, when I realized that's not being a selfish asshole, it's just being true to myself. I mean, my life got so much better and just happier. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest advice I could give to someone. Wow. That's powerful right there. And it goes back to what we started with. Always do you. Yeah. Do you, man. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and most importantly, your time. I know everyone out there listening learned a lot. So let's give yourself a plug. Tell the listeners where they can learn more about you, what you do, your online coaching. And yeah, yeah. you can find me. My blog is briancron.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N-K-R-A-H-N.com. And uh, that's where my blog's at. And yeah, my articles, I do a lot of ghostwriting, so you don't really know I'm out there. <laughs> and the guys I ghostwrite for wouldn't appreciate it. I just had a big article published at Elite FTS on elite powerlifting and what the guys kind of go through after they retire. And that's gotten quite a bit of buzz on the social media circle. So you can find me through there. And as for coaching, yeah, that's all available through my blog as well. Excellent. So those links will be on the show notes page, but I just wanted you to hear it now in case guys, you're just dying to get over to Brian's blog. And I just wanted to say Brian is just being a really modest dude. Like we've gone into his background. He's training with all these high level guys. He's someone that I personally look up to. So he is someone you need to pay attention to in the industry. If you want to learn no BS advice that actually works. So Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. You've reached the end of another episode of the Alpha Man Project. Connect with us at alphamanproject.com. Your feedback is really important to us. It helps us learn, develop, and most importantly, improve our podcast for you. Give us a review on iTunes and receive a free grocery shopping list and four-week muscle-building workout. See you next episode.